Good morning. Welcome to our third week of our different series as we look at the book of 1 Peter. Uh, this is the first letter that Peter the Apostle wrote, and he wrote it to a church that was understood and that was suffering, that was persecuted, and we're looking at how we can pull some truths out of this letter that are true today for us um, thousands of years later. So ultimately, Peter's message was that um, God was calling these believers, this young church, to live a distinct and transformed life, a calling to be different. So week one, we looked at um, different faith in trials, and that, that meant that... Uh, It is? We're good. That means, so different faith in trials means that his life in us sustains us through our trials and that that pain that everyone feels in life somehow gets purpose, which is pretty exciting. The week after, so that was last week, we looked at different values. We have different values in an unholy culture. And specifically, God has called us not to fit in, but to stand out from the culture that we're surrounded with. Next week, we're gonna, we're gonna look at a different perspective in the persecution that we experience, but this week is a really exciting week. This week, we're gonna look at different calling in a dark world. And so what I want you guys to see today is that when you know who you are, then you'll know what to do. When we know who we are, then we'll know what to do. So um, I'm curious, right, if you guys experience the same kind of things that I experience, you feel like you have this calling on your life, and it doesn't matter where you are, what age you are, you feel like there's something more that you could be doing, something more that you could be living for, something bigger than you are. And that's what Peter is going to be talking to us about today. So hopefully you'll be able to say, count me in. I want to know the calling that God has on my life. We're doing the Bible reading a little bit different in this different series. So if I could have you guys stand up and read along with me. I'm going to read this letter over you because this letter is addressed to City Point Church. We pick up in 1 Peter chapter 2. You are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priests. Through the, med through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. As the scripture says, I am placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem, chosen for great honor. And anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Yes, you who trust him recognize the honor God has given him. But for those who reject him, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. And he is the stone that makes people stumble, the rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they do not obey God's word, and so they meet the fate that was planned for them. But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are, you are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. 
Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then, even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. For God called you to be good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example, and you must follow in his steps. He never sinned, nor ever deceived anyone. He did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threaten revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God, who always judges fairly. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, you are healed. Once you were like sheep who wandered away, but now you have turned to your shepherd, the guardian of your souls. Pray with me. Father, we just thank you for your word and the fact that you don't leave us in a fallen, messed up, lost, broken state, but that from the very beginning, you had planned on your son sacrificing so that we could receive the calling to be different. We give you the glory today, and we pray that you reveal that calling in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys can be seated. So, if you've been reading along with me as we read through 1 Peter, I kind of encourage you guys to do that once a day. If you listen to it in the Bible app, it takes about 15 minutes. You'll notice it pops out a bunch, this word call or called or calling. Peter is talking to this early church about the call that they have on their life. And when we acknowledge that we've been specifically chosen or called to perform a, a, a task, it creates a sense sense of excitement. It meets that need that we have for something greater than us. And when Peter refers in this letter to the calling that they have, he's speaking from a place of uh, experience. Peter was the first disciple that was called. We read that in every gospel. He was the first. And so he is going to be an illustration of us of the different types of calling that we can see in our life. To begin with, I'd like to highlight that something that kind of referred to as like the general eternal calling of Christ. The fact that the Holy Spirit is actively working worldwide, attracting, drawing, and winning individuals. So we all have this general calling to creates yearning in our hearts for spiritual things. It's God calling us out of our old dead life. So when Peter discusses this concept, I can't help but think that he's thinking of his initial calling. You can read about it in Luke chapter 5. We have this interesting story where Peter is fishing and he hasn't caught any fish. And this man approaches him from the shore and tells him to cast his nets on the other side. Peter's a fisherman. That doesn't work, but he does it anyway. And he catches a miraculous number of fish and realizes in that moment that he is in the presence of someone greater than just a teacher. And it cuts straight to his core, and he apologizes for his sins. He says, I am unworthy. And we know Jesus calls him to put down his nets because he's going to become a fisher of men. You guys know that line from the Bible? So there's this eternal calling to follow Christ. The second type of calling would be like a little bit more specific calling to a task. Um, 
It, it, can, it can spark enthusiasm. It can renew kind of that passion that you have. Um, but it's for a specific, maybe time-bound task that he has for you. We saw this in Luke 21. Jesus asks John and Peter, he calls them to go into Jerusalem and prepare the Passover. And we know... It, in the future, that that was so much more than just preparing a meal, that they were preparing Jesus's last supper, where he would start the sacrament of communion. So he was calling them to that specific task. Um, this might be something similar to like a calling to study a specific thing in school or follow a specific career. Maybe you feel called to be a teacher or called to be a nurse. Maybe you feel called to start a business or an outreach to the community. Um, maybe you feel called to present the gospel in a specific place, maybe a mission trip. You feel called to missions work. That would be a temporary specific calling that God has put on your life. The focus today, though, I think is often overlooked. So it's not that general calling to eternity. It's not a specific calling to a task, but it's an essential part of God's call for every believer our God calls us every day to live by a different standard. And we see in verse 21 that God has called us to do good. That's our calling in life. When you think of a calling, we usually focus on what we should do, but God is so much more concerned with who we are. And whenever we know who we are, then we'll know what we should do. So we have this really interesting story um, at the end of the Gospel of John, and it kind of mirrors Peter's initial calling. Peter has just suffered the death of Christ. His best friend, the person that he thought was going to, to change his world, had just died, and he's kind of, kind of down about it, which is expected. And he's hanging out with some of the disciples, and he, goes, he decides to go back to do what he always did, and he went out fishing. And while they were fishing, they were approached by a man on the shore. And after not catching anything, that man told them to cast their nets on the other side of the boat. And when they did that, they had a miraculous catch. See, Jesus was reminding Peter of his initial calling to eternity, but it didn't stop there. Peter swam to shore, and we have this interesting interaction between Jesus and Peter, where Jesus asks Peter, do you love me? and gives Peter the opportunity to say, I love you three times, maybe to cover up the three times he denied knowing Christ. And so Jesus is saying, remember me calling you from out of where you were, from that dead life. But he's also calling him to something so much more. Each time Jesus hears Peter say, Lord, you know I love you, Jesus gives him a task feed my sheep, take care of my sheep. So the focus of my discussion today is going to be on that more specific calling to be good. If our character is not right, if we don't know who we are, then our actions will never be right. We'll never be able to do the right thing. God cares about our motives. He cares about our heart. He cares about our integrity. He's more concerned with who we are than what we do. And when we know who we are, then we'll know what to do. Knowing who you are is crucial. And it's difficult sometimes. If we look back 
Peter's writing to this first century church who was very much misunderstood by the culture and community that they lived in. And he starts off this letter by reminding them of who they are. Why? Because the world was telling them a very different story. If you look back at history, the Romans thought that the Christians were superstitious, incestuous cannibals. I'm not making that up. That is how the Romans viewed the Christians. And the reason was they thought they were superstitious. They thought they were like a sorcery cult because these groups of believers, especially those who were led by one of the apostles, were surrounded by miracles. And if they're doing miracles, then they must be sorcerers. At the same time, their gatherings, when they got together, they called them love feasts. We've dropped that name now. We call them church services. But at the time, they called them love feasts. And who did they invite to their love feasts? Their brothers and sisters in Christ. And then what did they do at this love feast? They ate the body and drank the blood of their leader. You guys see where this misunderstanding might might have come from? But on top of that, they were in a culture who didn't care. They didn't care to know the truth because they were just looking for a reason to hate these Christians and hate their Christ. They were misunderstood. But Peter starts by reminding them who they are, that they're called. Understanding who you are is essential to knowing your calling. So he says, as a follower of Christ, you are a chosen people. God chose you out of everyone. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very possession. This would have been significant to these first century believers, especially those with a Jewish background, because the priesthood was something special. It was for a special group of people. And what Peter is saying is it doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter who your family is. Because of Christ, you have been empowered to be priests to be mediators between God and man, that we can, we can approach his throne because of what Christ has done for us. Their bodies belong to God. They had been purchased with the blood of Christ. They were chosen. So as a result of being part of the priesthood of believers and this holy nation and God's possession, they could show others the goodness of God. That was their task. God had called them out of the darkness into this marvelous light. When you know who you are, then you'll know what to do. So you've been chosen, and not just chosen, but you've been invited with this calling that we feel inside of us. And you haven't just been called, but through the blood of Jesus, we've been transformed. We've been called for a purpose. Understanding who we are allows us to know what to do. So it's fortunate for us that we've kind of gotten rid of some of those old misconceptions about Christianity. I don't know about you guys, but I've never been accused of being uh, superstitious or incestuous or a cannibal. But unfortunately, we've stepped out of that misunderstanding into a completely different misunderstanding. We're accused by the world of being self-righteous, of being judgmental, of being intolerant bigots. It's because they don't want to understand. They want a reason to hate Christians and hate their Christ. And unfortunately for us, 
There are evil individuals who claim Christianity and all they want to do is hate, 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 hate. In 1 Peter, the apostle warns believers that they are temporary residents. We talked about that this, the first week, that we're foreigners, that this isn't our home. But because it's not our home, we are ambassadors. We are royalty here to present the goodness of God. Believers, he says, should live properly among their unbelieving neighbors. And why? Even if you're accused of wrongdoing, if you live properly and maintain this honorable behavior, maybe your neighbors will give honor to God on the day of judgment. So living properly among this world, that's our calling, showing the world the goodness of God. Peter doesn't say, and I think this is something I misunderstood for a long time. Peter doesn't say, first convince them to believe like you do. He doesn't say that. He assumes that they're not gonna believe like you do. What does he say? He says, instead, we demonstrate what we believe through our behavior. We earn the, the capability of sharing the gospel by treating others with love, with respect and grace, because we needed that shown to us before we were called. It's important for us to know that this goodness of God is what builds bridges past that skepticism, past that misunderstanding. And what's most important is you might be the only Bible that someone ever reads. Peter's confidence is that we should, be, we should live righteously and boldly. He's not saying we should always be on the defense. He's saying that a good, def, a good defense would be a good offense, that we live righteously in front, of these, in front of these foreigners while we're living in this foreign land. Rather than defending against accusation, we should lead with irrational generosity. We should recognize that we're spiritual contributors. Did you guys know that the church isn't here to serve you? But you, as part of the church, is here to serve the world in this short time that we're here. Our strategy is to confidently share that love of Jesus, to love irrationally, to give extravagantly, and serve faithfully. By doing this consistently and with integrity, we will reach some, and the whole world will notice. So, as followers of Jesus, our service involves doing good, even in the face of suffering, maybe especially in the face of suffering, because that's the example that, that Jesus left us. In fact, Peter says in the next chapter, it is God's will that, that your honorable lives should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. Our calling is to do good just as Christ did even if it means enduring hardship. And this hardship looks different in our modern Western world, right? We're not crucified or fed to wild animals or lit on fire, but it's still, it's still an opportunity when you're passed over from that promotion, 
when you're not invited to that party, when you're scoffed at or accused of things, that is our opportunity to, like Christ, show love, show gentleness, show kindness, show grace, just like he did. He carried our sins on the cross and he left his case in the hands of God who always judges righteously. When we know who we are, then we'll know what to do. And I, I do think it's important to, to note that you don't have to be a Christian to do good things. There are loads of people who don't go to church, who don't believe in God, who do phenomenal things, things that should be recognized. But what Peter is calling us to is, he's calling our faith to a different level because it's normal to do good things for good people, especially if they do good things for you. But it's also normal that when somebody hates you, to hate them back. It's normal when somebody accuses you of something, to accuse them back. When they speak evil of you, to speak evil back. When somebody cuts you off in traffic, it is normal to rush up there and let them know what you really think about what they did. That's what's normal. Peter says that you're called to live differently. When you know who you are, you'll know what to do. 1 Peter 3, 9 says, don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. We have to keep in mind who this letter is written to. We're called to live differently, to show love even when it's not easy. So this message today, when we know who we are, we'll know what to do. Well, how do you know what to do? We have a manual, the living word of God that tells us who we are. It's why we encourage you guys all the time, jump on board with us. We're reading through the Bible in a year. We learn every day who we are. We learn every day that God works through messed up people. We learn every day that he is telling his story. And when we know who we are, we'll know what to do. We have a daily assignment to live differently, to show God's goodness to the world around us. Because when we know who we are, then we'll know what to do. You guys pray with me. Oh, dear Father, we humbly ask for you to empower your church to shine brightly in this dark world. May we recognize that our daily calling is different from what the world looks like and that we have an opportunity to make a difference and show your love and grace in every moment of every day. We wanna proclaim this morning that we follow Christ and that we desire to be different. Help us to see ourselves as constantly on call, ready to serve. May we be a voice of hope and a light to those around us. We know we can't reach everyone, Father, but we pray that you bring as many as possible into our lives. We want to serve you. We want to be available. We want to be on call. We want to live different for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys stand up, let's sing together.